You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Branded advertising, or showing what your company stands for, building relationships with customers for the long term continues to be a major sticking point for many B2B marketers. B2B firms can be forgiven as they have been conditioned on performance marketing or implementing marketing automation and lead generation strategies. But in a world where prospects are burrowing even further into the sales funnel without first reaching out to any vendors, branding is getting closer and closer to the core. And there's a growing onus on B2B marketers to stir the kind of creative juices and digital experiences that define branded advertising. Doug Novak, Managing Director of U.S. Business and Industrial Markets at Google, calls it a full-funnel approach, one in which branding and lead gen work in tandem rather than in opposition of one another. He joins me now to talk about how a full-funnel model works, the increasing role that generative AI plays in both performance marketing and branding, and the rising concern among B2B buyers about product assortment and product innovation. Doug, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to be here. Doug, the debate between performance marketing and B2B branding has been heating up lately, particularly against the backdrop of a somewhat schizophrenic economy and growing pressure on B2B marketers to spike the top and bottom lines. Now, you argue that it's not a zero-sum game and that if a B2B company isn't creating awareness through branding, it's unlikely a B2B company would even be considered and even less likely to win the purchase. And yet two-thirds of 330 B2B companies are either in the nascent or emerging stages of developing brand positioning and brand strategy, according to a November 2021 report on the value of branding in B2B conducted by Google and Boston Consulting Group. So my question is, despite a constant chorus on the importance of branding, why do so many B2B firms seem to be sticking with lead gen at the expense of branding? The first reason is that it works. And it's helped get these companies, these great companies, some of which have been around for 40, 50, 100, right, over 100 years, that tactic, that focus on lead generation, on performance marketing or performance business has really driven great results. You do what works. Yes, the consumer has changed. Yes, the tactics have changed. But that means it's, it, it is difficult for marketers to change. I see two big inhibitors to, to change then. One is uh, a different capability is needed. And oftentimes, B2B marketers don't necessarily, they haven't grown up as brand building organizations. So they have to grapple with that. And then the second thing I see is just the siloed challenge that many or most industries and companies industries have, where when you're forced with a new paradigm, it forces you to collaborate in new ways. And those things are hard to overcome. So I spend a lot of my time helping my B2B clients address these problems. It's fun and exciting, but it's challenging. Why the inertia? Just 5% of potential buyers are in the market for a product or solution at any given time, according to the B2B Institute at LinkedIn, while the 95% who will decide future sales won't get into the sales funnel until they're ready. Doesn't that data strongly support B2B firms putting more dollars into the top of the funnel with branded type messaging, not to mention the need for a more nuanced strategy for the entire sales funnel? The answer is yes. The way I think about this is that the B2B buyer journey has changed significantly. What we've seen over the past, call it three to five years, is the number of touch points that the typical B2B buyer has with a company, with a supplier online or offline, has exponentially increased. 
a full almost 70% of the B2B buyers that through our research shows that they would be willing to pay more to a supplier who has a stronger set of digital capabilities. This is really the number one pain point that we're picking up on that a B2B supplier's customer is feeling is make it easier for me to purchase. And that really does require a full funnel marketing approach. You need to tell your story effectively if you're a B2B marketer, but then you have to deliver on that brand proposition and how you provide your products and your services. And typically we see digital being the fulcrum, the, the primary area where today's B2B buyer wants to interact. What's the tenor among your B2B clients these days who are resistant to investing more in branded advertising? And what are some of the ways you try and break down that resistance? For many years, B2B marketers have really marketed themselves on price and, and product features. Those are heavy performance-oriented differentiators. It makes sense that they've typically then allocated their investments in marketing tools that are consistent there, which tend to be performance marketing. We're really provoking B2B buyers to rethink how they've practiced marketing, how they've really grown up. It comes back to some of those challenges that I outlined in, in your first question, which are that B2B marketers don't necessarily have the expertise in-house that the market and their customers in return are demanding of them. There's an opportunity to deepen the bench, and then breaking down silos. What I specifically do with these two areas is on the internal capabilities, I spend a lot of my time, my colleagues and I at Google, with helping B2B marketers by modeling out, well, what are the capabilities we believe you need to be able to be a stronger brand marketer and capitalize on what the customer wants? And then on the siloed side of the house, I spend a lot of my time really helping bring together different organizations at my clients so that they're rallying around common KPIs. For example, across sales and marketing, what we talk a lot about is using a sales-oriented, revenue-oriented KPI in today's modern marketing versus some of the metrics we might have seen historically around cost per lead or number of leads or some of those types of metrics really rallying around sales. And that's a great way to bring sales and marketing organizations together more closely. Sorry to be reductionist, but yes. is this a generational issue in the <laughs> sense that things are really not going to legitimately flip until the millennials and Gen Zers right behind them who were conditioned on digital, who were conditioned on entertainment type content start to be the decision makers? Is that when you see the real inflection point for more B2B branding? We've seen that tipping point happen in the B2C world already. What we talk about is the convergence of B2B and B2C trends. We know that that trend has already happened with businesses that are leading indicators of the trends we're going to see in the, in the B2B landscape. I don't think, nor do I want to advise my clients or B2B marketers to wait for a tipping point that I think already has happened. It's not simply millennials or the younger generations that have become accustomed to digital first, more interactive content, more digital self-service. We've seen those be the preferences of most every generation now. The vast majority of B2B buyers, they are expecting those types of experiences now, and they want to start off and end their journeys with digital. I would not want today's B2B marketer to wait for a point in future. I believe that point has already happened. The ones who lean into that change will capitalize the most. What's the increasing role that generative artificial intelligence plays in both Ooh. performance and branding and yeah. from a real best practices operational standpoint? When I step back and think about AI, generative, predictive AI, I think about the world that we were living in as marketers pre-AI. And really, that world was really one where we were, as marketers, 
much more involved in the details of campaign management, of reporting, of really manually turning a lot of those knobs. Looking back, that wasn't the best use of a marketer's time. The good news is now through AI, we're able as marketers to be more strategic because we're able to rely on artificial intelligence in multiple forms to help do a lot of those tasks, leveraging billions of signals so that we as marketers can focus more on brand strategy, on data management, on measurement, right? These are high value activities that, are, that help marketers differentiate. They're more fun to work on. And really the unlock that AI then enables is it enables us as marketers to do more testing, to do more experimenting, to focus more on improving our marketing efforts instead of tasks that we're now able to rely on AI and AI tools to do for us. It's actually a much more exciting place to be for marketers and certainly the customer. At the risk of being hyperbolic, do you think that we're still very much in the nascent stage mm. of AI and that it is going to be a game changer in the B2B space? Yes and yes. If I think about predictive AI, we already know that B2B marketers are able to use a lot of tools and benefits that AI offers today and have been for several years. When I look at some of the tools that Google offers, whether it's Google Maps or Photos or our advertising products around the tools that AI is embedded in, those are already prime time. We are already able to help B2B marketers use those tools. And I answered yes and yes, because we know that AI still is evolving and will continue to evolve and unlock an incredible, extraordinary number of other opportunities. There is a fair number of opportunities that are here and now, and, and we know that marketers are already taking advantage of them. Can you give us a quick example that would apply to a lot of B2B companies? We see it in how advertisers are able to bid on digital right? Enables a much more consistent, streamlined, scalable way for advertisers, for B2B brands to take advantage of advertising platform. When I think about on the generative AI side, this is where things get really interesting and fascinating. Generative AI makes it easy for marketers to enhance the creatives. We know that creatives drives a massive percentage of the success of an advertisement. In some of our studies, it's north of 50%. You can imagine what generative AI can do to help creatives get better. And we're just in the early stages of what we're able to do there in a very promising way. If I'm to understand you correctly, AI will end up doing all the grunt work and the heavy lifting. And then that frees up the time and the mind share to develop the kind of B2B ad creative that customers are increasingly demanding, which is what's the difference between generative AI and predictive AI when it comes to both performance, marketing, and branded advertising within B2B? Predictive AI helps us find patterns and make connections. And generative AI fuels and unlocks creativity. It helps us be more creative. On the predictive AI side, we think about using Google Maps and using Google Maps to find more eco-friendly routes. You can imagine using Google's host of advertising products or other publishers' products and using AI to help target a more nuanced customer and, mm -hmm. more, and offer a more personalized experience. On the generative side, you know, we have a product, a feature called Product Studio. It enables advertisers to improve significantly their creative. So I'll come back to the creative example because I, I do believe that creative is an area where Gen AI can be very helpful. And we know, again, creative is a main driver for advertising efficiency or effectiveness, efficacy. 
With Product Studio, what an advertiser can do is they can enhance an image, right? And we, what we know is that in the B2B world, pictures and images are crucial. When B2B buyers are out online or in the physical world buying products, being able to see that product, being able to appreciate the features of that product, big or small, makes a big difference. And Product Studio is a way where you can actually take an image, you could swap in, swap out backgrounds by, by giving prompts that essentially can help a buyer see that product in the wild better, right? It, whether it's in their facility, their plant, uh, against other sized, similar sized elements. That's a really magical experience that can help a B2B marketer differentiate themselves and provide an experience that could, dare I say, delight a customer and make mm -hmm. them feel much more confident in a selection that they want to make. Stay with us. There's more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding Greater Good Magazine. Greater Good covers a wide array of brands and organizations that are looking to do good for humanity. Stories run the gamut, from a program sponsored by Chipotle to reduce food insecurity, to the eco-initiatives of the U.S. Postal Service, to the New York Islanders providing funding for canines to become guide dogs. The publication is designed to inspire marketers, along with the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publication at www.ana.net slash champions of greater good. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Doug Novak, Managing Director of U.S. Business and Industrial Markets at Google, about the performance marketing versus branded advertising debate going on throughout the B2B field. Doug, I want to come back to this thread that we had earlier in the conversation regarding the consumerization of B2B advertising, which has been developing incrementally for the past few years. But it seems like it's only more recently that B2B firms have set their sights well beyond a fixed set of buyers devoting the kind of large budgets for events that used to be the strict domain of consumer-facing brands, such as Workday and CrowdStrike, buying ads for this year's Super Bowl. Now, I can only imagine the amount of lead gen B2B marketers can buy with the amount of a 30-second spot during the Super Bowl. So why are these B2B companies and others increasingly making such big bets on consumer venues and bucking the trend for wholesale lead gen? B2B and B2C convergence has happened. It will continue to happen. Many B2B marketers are taking stock of that and taking action. You mentioned a couple of examples with some Super Bowl advertising. What we see is that digital, though, is actually the most effective way to reach today's B2B buyer from a brand building perspective. A full 30% through our research tell us that they will not respond to an ad if it's not personalized to them. Digital is the most effective way to offer up a personalized, customized advertising experience to a potential B2B buyer. And our friends over at eMarketer, in their analysis and forecasting, are predicting that this investment levels that B2B marketers are making in advertising is going to grow twice as fast, or the growth rate will be double in digital versus traditional. Digital is the best way to take advantage of that B2B and B2C consumerization that has already taken place. There must be a strong creative element throughout that. Is it predicated on the creative? Creative, we see over and over again, is A, sometimes the key factor in the effectiveness of advertising. And the good news is that AI only unlocks the ability to have more predictable, better, more consistent creative with the tools that AI is unlocking. But in addition to the AI, Doug, is it also more that B2B firms need to change their talent equation? 
Yes, that goes back to a couple of those critical path obstacles that we've talked about, whether it's siloed or just the capabilities that B2B marketers have right now. And and it makes sense. B2B marketers, they haven't built these incredible businesses on the backs typically of brand building. They haven't had that muscle embedded in the culture and the Mm -hmm, DNA mm -hmm, of the company. mm -hmm. That's the opportunity going forward is to really deepen the bench in that area and leverage the tools that you have at your disposal now to do that as well. It's not just about adding more capabilities with people, it's leveraging tools and functionality that is now available to any marketer really. In prepping for this podcast, you mentioned that B2B buyers are concerned about product assortment and product innovation. Are those concerns growing and do such concerns put even more of an onus on performance marketing rather than branding? Yes, we see now through our research that 85% of buyers tell us that they're equally or more concerned since the beginning of 2022 product assortment. They need that. They want that. They want B2B brands to improve product assortment. One change that they're seeking in particular is that they want more robust and searchable catalogs. The second part of your question, I don't want B2B marketers to be thinking about performance versus brand. It means that those need to work together. What do I mean by that? Building a brand only goes so far if you deliver on the brand promise. We know that today's B2B buyer is seeking a more elegant digital experience. You need to then deliver on that. It's one thing to build that into your brand promise and to build your brand around those types of attributes, but then you have to deliver on it. If you don't, what we see is that today's B2B buyer will not want to come back. So in a perfect world, Doug, it's really a hybrid model between performance and branding? I think of it as like a full funnel model. That's the term that I generally use. I argue that rather than thinking about it as brand and performance, because that that carries some legacy siloed, unfortunately, thinking. I try to encourage marketers to think about it as full funnel because that's more integrated. Then you play at the top of the funnel to deliver at the bottom of the funnel. You want to think about how your bottom of the funnel delivery can then help in your brand messaging. Having that work together is the punchline. Would it help forward-thinking B2B companies in terms of lexicon and nomenclature if they got rid of branding and performance marketing, quote-unquote, and talked more about and conditioned the team more to this full funnel model that you talk about? I would love that. I do think that's more productive because these things work together in an integrated fashion. What I've seen the most sophisticated marketers do is whether or not they're using that language, they are thinking about their marketing more holistically between two elements that were traditionally incredibly disparate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Some might use full funnel, some might use other nomenclature, but the spirit of it is to think about it in a more integrated fashion. And as well for the prep, you also mentioned that loyalty is still an opportunity for B2B. What do you mean by that? And in the context of performance marketing versus branding? Almost a full three out of four B2B buyers say that they prefer buying from a supplier they bought from before. But in practice, it's really only about 50% who do. That's a pretty wide spread. And what we've uncovered in our research is generally when they switch, when they don't go back, the top reason is they felt that the digital experience was very difficult to navigate. They're seeking a more easy to navigate experience. And they felt like the overall digital capability experience was lacking. There's the opportunity. The opportunity is to keep them coming back by delivering on a much stronger digital experience. Hard stop. And as we start to wrap up, Doug, in 2022, Google and Bain conducted a study on the day one list, which is a group of vendors the buyer already knows they want to consider, and found that among those 400 surveyed, 92% of B2B buyers will purchase off their day one list, and 86% have a day one list to begin with. 
So is the goal for B2B marketers these days to get on the day one list and only via a dedicated branding strategy? We know that B2B buyers, before they start to search, they have their suppliers in mind who they want to consider. At its simplest level, if you're not in that consideration set, you're capping your ability to drive sales, to reach a new target audience. So this is an exciting opportunity for B2B marketers to think about and reflect on how they get in that consideration set from day one. And it comes back to some of these things we've talked about today taking a more full funnel approach to marketing, thinking about the brand messaging that you want to deliver, that you want to articulate, but then you have to deliver on that to have somebody then keep you in their consideration set. I would argue that the most successful B2B marketers who are able to be on that day one list excel at both of those dimensions. A strong value proposition that's often rooted in digital experience, digital ease, and then delivering on that proposition. And we'll have to leave it there. Doug Novak, Managing Director of U.S. Business and Industrial Markets at Google. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Hey, it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to come back onto the show another time soon. We'll love to have you. Thanks, Doug. Be sure to tune in next time when I welcome branding expert Alan Adamson, co-founder of marketing agency Metaforce.com and author of Seeing the How, Transforming What People Do, Not Buy, to Gain Market Advantage. We'll discuss the myriad challenges facing marketers these days. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.